Welcome everybody to the inaugural episode of the Houdat Jedi. And uh, sitting around my kitchen table tonight is, uh, well, first of all, myself, Aaron Swoboda. And to my right is Alfredo Narvez. And to his right is David Glado. And uh, so we're, we decided to get this podcast together and uh, talk about, you know, even though we're the Houdat Jedi, you know, we're all from New Orleans, but, um, you know, yeah, there is a Star Wars connotation, but we'll talk about all sorts of things that just geek us out, I suppose. Um, you know, and it was kind of started off by this whole Disney Plus thing. It was just a lot of uh, fodder to uh, to chew through in nerdum. And uh, there'll be people joining us throughout uh, other episodes, and you might hear dogs barking in the background or clicking around. But hey, that's just that's just us. Um, but uh, what we're going to lead off with, though, is we're going to start. Uh, t- you know, kind of talking about the Mandalorian because it's the uh, the new big thing in Star Wars right now. So, um, but first of all, uh, I think a good way to start here is to uh, just kind of each one of us give kind of a brief history of our Star Wars fandom. You know, where where did it come from? Uh, you know, what you know how it has sustained through the years. So, I guess Dave, if you want to kick it off, go ahead. Sure. Yeah. Um... I guess start, some of the genesis of this started with um, uh, me trying to initiate a podcast a couple of years back, um, getting really bogged down with work and abandoning it super quickly. Um, within that, though, I was able to meet uh, Fredo. Uh, and then um, by extension through that, I eventually met Aaron. Um, and we all um, realized we had a love of Star Wars, and we decided this was something we'd like to pursue. Uh, as for where I started um, uh, with my Star Wars fandom, uh, I was born three months after the first movie was Sorry, I was released. Just, I was just thinking the jerk there. Was it the jerk? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was born. Yes. Um, I was hoping you weren't going to go there. So. Yeah, no, I'll not. I'll not uh, say that. But um, yeah, uh, so three months after the original movie was released, and was a fan, uh, probably right off the bat. Uh, my first memory of of the movie was seeing it uh, re-released in the theater, uh, a drive-through theater, actually, um, and uh, just being hooked by this whole assault on uh the tantive um with darth vader and the stormtroopers and everything and just magical to me so um i was hooked right away and like obviously my upbringing it was star wars uh heavy um with movies and soundtracks and toys and all that jazz and uh i've just been in love with it ever since cool fredo so kind of similar to Dave, uh, I was born a few months before the movie came out, the first on the hope. Um, but I, my first movie that I actually saw in theaters was Empire Strikes Back when I was about five years old. I uh, just remember like being in the theater at darkness, being blown away by it all. And I still have a distinct memory of like the, the audience's reaction to the famous line from that movie, which... It's not Luke. I Spoiler alert. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm going to trust that anybody clicking on, on a Star Wars podcast knows what I'm talking about. But yeah, after, you know, seeing Return of the Jedi premiere years, you know, decades ago, and then it was just kind of sustained through the, um, the Throne trilogy, the video games that came out, you know, everything from like Dark Forces, 
uh, Knights of the Old Republic, uh, oh, Rogue Squadron, all those fun stuff. And then just, you know, it, it's always been kind of ever-present. It's, it's something that I love and something that I enjoy. So never never goes away. Right on. So who's, who's the oldest here? Am I the oldest? I think I'm the oldest, right? I think well, he, he's got me really? beat by a few months. So uh, well, Okay, I was born you know, four years before uh, yeah. episode four came out. So, um, yeah, no, I, it's interesting you mentioned the, um, the uh, drive-in theater because I, I know I saw Star Wars when it first came out, but the one that is my clear memory is at the drive-in theater. And they actually had the, the promo for... Um, uh, or the trailer for uh, Empire Strikes Back. And so that was, that was kind of cool. Um, but yeah, no, so I, I mean, you know, I remember actually, my, my more vivid memories are, I remember exactly where, and you'll be impressed as to where, um, where I purchased my first Star Wars action figure. Um, it was in Goodland, Kansas. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, Dave, <laughs> Dave has Kansas has Kansas roots. But yeah, it was, we were with at my Aunt Sharon's house because my mom and dad went on, some sort of vacation, one of those parent vacations that they don't want kids along on. Um, but as I guess, as a special treat, my brother and sister and I went to the Alco in Goodland, Kansas. And my brother got Darth Vader, I got Han Solo, and my sister got Luke Skywalker. Um, and so that kind of started the, the toy hook. Um, but then I had a, a good friend in, um, all my friends, Doug, um, Star Wars, you know, we all, we all just grabbed, whenever we had a, birthday party or whatever it was you know of course i remember when vhs was now we can actually watch this stuff at home and so we'd always rent star wars um and um luna you can't be in the podcast uh but uh we watched star wars but i had one friend who he had all the toys ed had all the toys and whenever he would come for a sleepover or something he'd always bring just a whole bag full of his star wars toys and um, so then in 1996, when I got married, um, that's when Hasbro released, re-released, you know, it was the, it's kind of how they took He-Man and Star Wars and, you know, merged them together, but they re-released the toy line. And that started my collecting because my friend Mike, um, for Christmas, got me each one of the, there was like five figures that they released. And so he brought those now you come to my house you know where that led to so um (laughs) but anyway uh but yeah no and i'm a member of the 501st i remember you know when i first saw somebody dressed up as a stormtrooper and i was like you know crud 30 years old you know and i was like (laughs) oh my god there's somebody dressed as a stormtrooper this is awesome then you know figured out you know saved my money and got my own stormtrooper armor you know so um it's always just been one of those things that you know it's Star Wars is always fun. Star Wars is always something that just, you know, kind of lowers the blood pressure, you know, mm-hmm. at least for me. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of where we all come from. Um, but we're here to talk about The Mandalorian. I was actually at Star Wars Celebration back in March and got to see about 12 minutes of it or something like that or 10 minutes. And it was really, really cool. Because, um, but now to see the full episode... Um, you know, if you, what synopsis, we just, well, we have this, uh, bounty hunter who is a Mandalorian. So it's a well titled series, right? Um, and he's, you know, of course, if you're into star Wars, you know about bounty hunters, he's going and getting people and getting paid for it. Right. And, uh, but, um, yeah, and there's 
So, and that's kind of what the first episode was, was him going and getting people and everybody getting used to what, making sure that it looks like Star Wars. I don't know. That's kind of a really bad synopsis of that first episode, but I didn't know if we wanted to go click by click, but... I'd call, I mean, I'd call it wish fulfillment for uh, Boba Fett fans. Oh, uh, no kidding. <laughs> the guy who had, what, five, five lines. minutes of screen time, and it's like, yeah, now we get to see him do stuff, but it's not Boba Fett. But yeah, it is. You're right. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. Um, this is like one of the parts of the, um, I guess, lore that's always fascinated people uh, ever since Boba Fett appeared on screen. Um, and uh, obviously Dave Filoni did a fabulous job uh kind of expanding that story and uh, and you know you mentioned the name and i'm gonna interrupt you real quick because if you don't know about dave filoni um this guy he he originally did the clone wars uh cartoon series i'm sorry animated series it's not a cartoon it's an animated series but anyway um the animated series and the thing that was really interesting is i kind of got into clone wars i found out i didn't realize that he studied under george lucas i mean it was like you know that was one of the last george lucas things right yeah yeah and i mean like he's like uh i guess protege maybe you'd call him i mean like in terms of the apprentice people, really yeah i mean well padawan, yeah <laughs> padawan, padawan yeah. uh he was really one of the biggest um uh, creative forces for Lucasfilm um, in the wake of George's um, decision to step away from it. And um, I, I think, I, I don't have any insider knowledge on this, but I feel like he probably felt comfortable stepping away in part because Dave was there um, because he just seemed to get it. He got the universe in a way a lot of other people didn't. Well, it's Yoda saying, you know, pass on what you have learned, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, and I, I think you're right. I think that's you know, knowing that there is somebody there that gets it, you know, and then of course you got John Favreau, you know, producing it, who is, knows how to make movies. And right. he's the guy who kickstarted the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe with Iron Man. So he, he knows how to set up a world that other people can come in and kind of expand on. So that's what you saw in the first episode because it, it kind of takes everything that we've seen from the original trilogy creates a world that you can kind of feel familiar in it but it's wide open it's it's free for you to you know for them to go anywhere the direction they want but you know and the thing that it was kind of like when rogue one came out um i saw it was at one of the celebrations or uh, something where they were talking about gareth edwards they're talking to gareth edwards and mm -hmm. seeing him geeking out over star wars and then when you got into um uh you know just, just to see, well, J.J. Abrams and Ryan Johnson, they're all fans of Star Wars. Mm -hmm. So you have these people who get Star Wars. And, and that's, so as an old person who it's like, you know, you mean, George Lucas isn't going to be making Star Wars movies anymore. It's like, you know, chew your nails and, you know, and uh, you know that it's in good hands because you got fans, mm -hmm. you know, that really understand and and really care for Star Wars. So that was, you know, kind of nice. Um, so I guess what was your first impressions? Think very, if you can't remember, what's your very first impression of The Mandalorian when that when it first came on? I bet mine is different from yours. We didn't talk about this before when we were sitting in my living room. I'll let you I'm going to be first. controversial. Uh, okay. Uh, just to be controversial. Uh, the feeling was right. That was my first reaction to it. That it, 
from the outset the idea. I mean, you have to remember that A New Hope, when it comes out, is taking elements from samurai uh, movies from Japan and westerns. This, and so it felt like the whole idea of a space western. So that's why Han Solo's got that vest. And this felt like that. This felt like, you know, that opening scene when the guys are going to kill the mithril, you know, the alien, the young alien, for his glance, whatever else. And here comes the I bounty call, hunter. I call him Paul Giamatti. That's the only person I could have thought of right there. That's actually, hor- that's actually uh, Saturday Night Live's Horatio, Horatio Sands. Sands. Thank yeah. you. Okay, now I feel better. But <laughs> so you're not that, it's still um, going to be Paul Giamatti. But the idea of, you know, all of a sudden here comes, you know... Uh, a gunslinger, so to speak. Here comes the man with no name that Clint Eastwood played so long ago. That Because those, it's the same imagery, the same idea that Lucas was taking out of in order to create Star Wars. So, so immediately my, my thought was, this feels right. Cool. I got thrown right off the bat with there was a, a piece of music in the score. And I'm going to look up in a second who, who is working on the score for this episode. Um, Actually, he's doing the entire series. He's doing the whole series. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. I can't remember the name, but yeah, okay. go ahead. Um, threw me for a loop completely because it it a dramatic sound right when he walks in the front door, and it sounded like a doorbell to me. <laughs> <laughs> to thought, me, to me, that sounded like <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. Good, the bad and the ugly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but it was so on the nose. Immediately, I questioned it. Um, and, and the timing of it, it was just something really odd about it that threw me for a loop right away. But um, within, within five minutes, I had moved past that and, uh, and was fully on board. Cool. Yeah. I, I thought it started slow. Hmm. It, it actually reminded me of the way that Empire started. Empire starts very slow. You know, hmm. it, nothing really happens until the wampa hits luke in the face otherwise i mean if if that was your first star wars movie you saw as maybe as an adult you'd probably go on i hope this thing picks up because that's kind of what i thought about with the mandalorian was i was like i hope i hope this i hope this i hope they push the pedal down here in a minute because mm-hmm. i'm like we're watching them walk through snow and now he's walking into a bar, and it's like, okay, I know a fight's probably coming up, but it was like, there was a, there, a lot I mean, of walking. There was a, it was, yeah, it was kind of like, <laughs> I expected like some, you know, Depeche Mode to be playing in the background because he's just kind of walk, walking lonesome a little bit. But I thought it started slow, but then I was like, okay, I'm into it, you know. But it reminded me of you know books that I've read where it's like, this better get yeah. somewhere in the third chapter, otherwise I'm putting this down. Um, so I was surprised that they started slow. But I mean, it worked, you know. Um, so, but anyway, no. But I thought it, you know, I, I, when they when Mandalorian was coming out of, I think we've had this conversation before. It's like, how do you know that it's Star Wars? Mm-hmm. Like, if somebody, if you just said you didn't know anything was coming, out, I'm going to play you this video, you know, and it's, how do you know that it's Star Wars? I mean, yeah, it 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 looked like Star Wars, but I think I think sometimes it's because I'm seeing Boba Fett. And I know it's not Boba Fett, but if I'm not mm-hmm. seeing Boba Fett, does it feel like Star Wars? Mm-hmm. Does it look like Star Wars? Do I know it's Star Wars? And I'm still kind of struggling with that because this episode was filled with the, you know, somebody's, somebody's grandmother's attic that was full of Star Wars toys. It's like, you know, John Favreau said, is like he played with the Star Wars toys and was developing these stories. Like, yeah, okay, well, 
they're all there in this episode. I mean, there's, you know, salacious crumb being cooked. There's, you know, squid face and there's, you know, um, the door knocker, like we said, from Jabba's palace. So it's tough. It'll be interesting as you get into more episodes and we get away from, because I still say this is, if you've ever heard me talk about um, the force awakens, because this is your first, you're trying to hook people on this episode and on this series. And as a, a former teacher, I know that if I'm going to teach um, kids something, former teacher, I still teach, but you mm-hmm. know, if I'm teaching somebody something new, I've got to link it to something that they know to get their interest right away. And so I don't think you can start this episode without Jawas and a gonk droid and a Garandon, you know, the, the spy guy mm-hmm. playing a flute. That was kind of weird, you know, <laughs> hailing a cab, but you know, whatever. Um, but no, I mean, I think all those things, I've always said it's candy to get us into the van. You know, it's to make us, it's to make us feel comfortable and to be, okay, I'm in Star Wars because it looks like Star Wars. And I think then I'm hoping that in coming episodes, we get less of those fan service you know, Easter eggs, or at least they're not as blatant, but because now, okay, now that I've seen these things, okay, I'm in, you know, I'm hooked. So, um, but like I said, that was kind of... Well, and I think what's interesting is this is, I mean, we've had the Clone Wars animated show, uh, which plays at a concurrent time as the prequels. And we've had a few other shows like Rebels, you know, other animated shows and the like that have played around the time. I think this is the I mean, okay, well, I'm trying to remember. Ewoks aside, you know, hey, the Ewoks TV stuff aside, this is really the first live action Star Wars property that's meant to run on a, on a, on a similar enough timeline uh, as a property that we've seen. So it's because if you know, because if you look at the palettes of a trilogy, it's slightly different. You know, original trilogy is built on the idea of of a dirty space that's used. It's not pristine. It's not you know other sci-fi where everybody's wearing jumpsuits and it's all nice and clean and all the problems have been solved. Uh, that was the ethos that they built the first Star Wars trilogy, the original trilogy, out of. Then you the whole idea of the prequels was no, we're going to show you the world before it got like that. So. All the world, you know, Coruscant is massive and Naboo is beautiful. And, you know, the technology is more 1930s, Buck Rogers, Flash Gordon, you know, kind of thing. Less the dirty, grimy uh, technology that we saw in the original trilogy. Sequel trilogy is kind of like in between. It's, it's kind of like, okay, the world's coming out of, you know, the Dark Ages, so to speak. So the idea of how you make us think, okay, this is happening not just in the Star Wars universe, but in this specific period, is to borrow a lot of those elements that we all recognize from that original trilogy. You have to, you know, I, I agree with you. At some point, you have to kind of go, okay, this has to go back to being background noise. It has to go back to, into the background where you don't notice, oh, hey, that's a, that's a little scrum, that's a monkey lizard that's roasting and another one's looking at it going crying about it i mean that, that was kind of sad but which actually i thought that that you could tell that was somebody who grew up that was mm-hmm. john favreau and dave filoni who grew up mm-hmm. with the original trilogy hating that thing no i probably loved it but they're like you know what we should do let's totally have like it, it's that it's that cynical sense of humor that comes in it'd be funny as hell to have mm-hmm. you know one being cooked while the other one's you know looking watching off. it i mean <laughs> 
that, it, I, I got that sense of humor. But so. I think, but no, but I was just saying, I, was, I think it's important for them to establish kind of where along the line, the timeline, this is happening. And as we move forward, this goes well. Because you saw it also in Broke One and in Solo. They went through great pains to make sure that the technology connected, that the, that the costumes connected, that everything felt part of, oh yeah, this is happening at the same time as A New Hope and an Empire, The Empire Strikes Back and all that other stuff. Well, and with all due respect to Star Trek, I mean, I've never been a huge Star Trek fan. I've never been anti-Star Trek. Mm-hmm. But I, I like think, it. you know, that was one of the things that worried me about The Mandalorian coming out was like, okay, we're getting into Star Trek land now because all of a sudden we're going to have TV shows. Mm-hmm. And... I mean, so how do you know, like, I, I turn on a TV show, and it's like, I see it's a sci-fi show, and then, you know, after, until it's not until it goes to commercial, or I hit the guide that, oh, it's a Star Trek series. Mm-hmm. So again, I just wonder how, how do you know that it's Star Wars, but anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, it's, I mean, it's a fair point, um, and you'd mentioned before we got on air, the, the disconnect, the potential disconnect that people could find. Uh, and you likened it to uh, the original Star Trek series going into Next Generation and how like there's a visual language there that people are going to recognize. Whereas if you go straight into something like Deep Space Nine, which is darker, a lot more muted and grays and much less colorful, um, people might lose that connection. Now, we're not going to be total, you know, we're not going to be total fanboys of... You know, and just say everything is great, everything is awesome. Cue the <laughs> Lego music. Um, so, because I, you know, but we're not going to be, you're not going to hear us be hyper, you know, critical. I mean, it's like I've I've talked people off ledges about the prequels before. I mean, you know, I think, I think, you know, I I think what helps me going into this was actually the Last Jedi mm-hmm. and Ryan Johnson's thesis through that or one of the things he's trying to get across is leave your expectations at the door. I mean, that's, I mean, th- I think that's what last Jedi leave your expect. I mean, I had a friend call me and said, oh, I'm taking the kids to see last Jedi and I'm seeing all these people freaking out online. I was like, just leave your expectations at the door. It's an enjoyable movie. And the more I watch that movie, the more I like it. So, you know, so I, I try to check my expectations in going to the Mandalorian I want it to feel like Star Wars. I don't. I don't know exactly how to enunciate that just yet. You know what that means. I want. I, it's. I know when I see it. You know, but. Um, so anyway, like, but but let's let's go into a little bit, maybe a little bit more of the critical side. Where's some instances where it like maybe you're taken out of things. I'm going to throw my couple out there. Mm-hmm. I'll maybe have three. One, and this happened in Star Wars Rebels. I don't need to see a space toilet. <laughs> I don't need to see I don't you know it's like in Star Wars Rebels they have Wedge you know taking a leak in what they call the fresher mm-hmm. and and the droid comes behind him and you know is like trying to talk to him so he's breaking urinal etiquette you know and that that was like that you know it's kind of like the old the, the old thing you know George Lucas told Princess or told uh, Carrie Fisher there is no underwear in space so she wasn't allowed to wear a bra so they they used gaffer tape, tape, tape you right. know um but you know it's like they don't need to take screen time to say there is no underwear in space you mm-hmm. know so i don't i don't need to see I, I think there's ways he could have gotten down into the bowels of the ship huh, bowels without mm-hmm. you know actually seeing a space toilet that was number one 
Um, actually, the one that happened before that was Bert from The Big Bang Theory, who was the Uber driver. Oh. You know, to take them to his ship right off the bat. You know, the guy with the big beard yeah. and everything. Mm-hmm. That was Bert from The Big Bang Theory. And he sounded exactly like Bert from The Big Bang Theory. So it was kind of like, I felt like I was in the holiday special there just for a minute. It was like, <laughs> are we going to... Because you're used to Star Wars with people you don't recognize, right? So maybe that that's one thing that kind of took me out. Um, I thought the special effects was awesome, um, but the blurgs, the mm-hmm. I, I thought it was like, oh crud, we ran out of money, you know. And so it 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 looked a little bit, you know, I don't know. It looked like they could they did so well in so many other special effects that it's like they needed the the blurgs just seemed they didn't. I wasn't sold on them all the time. Some of the times they were great, but other times it was kind of like, meh, you know. Anyway, those are those are my three that kind of took me out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know, Dave. I what do you think? Him, I give them a little pass on that last one just because of the budget, you know, and it's a TV. No, I know series. they only have a hundred million dollars, <laughs> <laughs> but they got to slice that into uh, however many episodes they're doing too. So, um, I mean. For me personally, um, I'd already mentioned that, that bit of the, the score um, that threw me off early on. Um, and um, actually, we figured out who it was, the composer Ludwig Göransson. Yeah, and right. he did Black Panther mm-hmm. and Creed, amongst others. So um, obviously he has great bona fides, and I don't want to disparage his work. But that one moment, I, it threw me for a loop. Um, two on the nose, just... You know, I know we're going for space western, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, I got it. Um, I, you know, at the risk of sounding like a gusher, and I will generally sound that way on this because, like, uh, I, I just adore this universe. Um, I, I don't, I didn't have a lot else that really no, threw me fine. for a loop. I can be the cynical one on this podcast. Everybody's gonna be like. <laughs> I mean, the reveal at the end, I have several questions about, but I don't know if the questions are negative in, in nature. So. Fredo, anything? Um, really, the only thing that kind of not quite took me out, but I was questioning is like, I love that when you first introduce the Mandalorian, he's stoic, doesn't say anything. And throughout the show, you produce, um, you have a character who says a few words. But then it's interesting that when he gets in front with, IG-11, you know, the, the, the bounty droid, mm-hmm. and he keeps trying to self-destruct. All of a sudden, he starts talking to him all the time, and I'm like, wait a minute. I thought you were supposed to be all quiet and stoic. That, that was about really the only thing that kind of stopped you for a moment. I noticed that, I noticed that too, because I've watched it a couple times mm-hmm. since it came out, and yeah. it, his, you're right, his voice, I noticed, and I was watching it today, you know, after I got done with work, his voice changes through the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even the timbre of his voice and the cadence of his voice changes you said few words and then he's going and he's you know yeah talking, talking a lot mm-hmm. but it's also it almost you know it, it just relaxes which is kind of interesting i think that's intentional because mm-hmm. he has he has targets early on and he has hostels that he's dealing with mm-hmm. um and he buttons it up um by the end of it he's dealing with this ig droid who's presumably on the same side because they come to an agreement you know who, you know who voiced him right Yes. Oh, yeah, Taiko Watiti, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and oh, he was wonderful. I loved him. Uh, I loved his character. But um, so, you know, I'm, I think he relaxed for that reason. I mean, it, 
story-wise, it made sense to me. It'll be interesting to watch going forward if they're consistent with that. But I think like he's like, okay, I'm letting my guard down. Well, I'm I, with. I think that's what's going to happen because yeah. you know the long game here. I mean, it, that whole art. You know, there was a scene where he goes and he takes the the best car steel and mm-hmm. to the um, to Armor. the the armorer or the blacksmith, and which the first time I watched it, I didn't realize all the Mandalorians walking around that place mm-hmm. today. I looked around and I mean, you can't swing a dead cat without hitting a Boba Fett in that, you know, in that place where they were. Um, but, um, it's obvious it's, it's going to be kind of like, you know, he's going to be getting a piece of armor each episode type of thing. And he's going to be regaining his identity because he, you know, there you saw some flashbacks to where he was taken away from his family, or which I'm, I'm wondering if that's a siege of Mandalore. I don't know, you know, but it's, you know, they talk about how what they how the they great put it, purge. The great purge, um, you know. So I'm wondering if that's part of it. But he's going to probably get. It's going to be like you know the major. It's going to be like Major League in reverse, where he's going to get a new piece of armor each, you know, mm-hmm. until he's a full Mandalorian, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but. Um, so yeah, I'm wondering if his voice will do the same. I just I thought that was very interesting. That's kind of my guess for the long game. Um, I mean, I'm, they went to great lengths to establish that with all the body language early mm-hmm. on, and that, and they played that for comedic effect a couple of times. Um, and it was good. You can't see his face, mm-hmm. so he really can only play this character. Do you think we ever will? I I don't know. They. Probably, so. you know, I the, think so. the the Ugnot asked, uh, you know, Nick Nolte asks, he says, you know, or no, it was it was Paul Giamatti, Horatio uh, <laughs> <yeah>. Sands. <laughs> yeah. So, is it true that you ever take off your helmet? And you know, of course, if you watch the Clone Wars or Rebels, yes, Mandalorians take off their helmets. They you have know? to. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, you got to eat somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got, but I that was the thing that I was that whole scene with he and IG Eleven again watching today. I was like. Man, you don't see. I mean, first of all, if I, I don't, first of all, I'm going to dovetail here. Mm-hmm. If IG11, I don't know if that was practical or digital, but good lord, it looked awesome. It did. Uh-huh. I mean, it just looked awesome. Um, but then the gunfight in particular. Yeah, yeah, but but they're they're interacting, and you can't see you know the Mandalorian's face, and IG11 is IG11, yeah. but your their interaction with each other is it was awesome. It was you know you could. There was a bonding happening. There they was, you know, yeah. I mean, they were they're getting each other, and it was it was funny. It was, but again, it's you have two action figures. Mm-hmm. You can see John Favreau with his IG eighty eight and his Boba Fett, and you know, and you know, and going back to those Western themes, they're having a shootout in the middle of a Mexican style courtyard. You know, I'll uh, say the Wild Bunch. You know, and even up to and including, here comes the big Gatling gun. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, yeah, they're borrowing all this language and they're putting it in this because they want you to, they want to, they want you to know this is. But I was just really impressed with it not being able to see any facial features Mm -hmm. that you were able to connect with a character. Yeah. And actually even a robot character. I saw somebody online. Here's, okay, you guys didn't know I was going to ask you this, but I saw one of my 500 first friends say, um, IG-11 greater than k2so not yet too soon not yet too soon will ig11 be back or is he done because like at the end we're you know get to the the spoiler scene but i mean when he 
blows away IG-11 and it's like, are we going to get him back? Or That's is one of that my just... big questions about everybody in this episode too. Is like, are any of these characters coming back? Because the, like you mentioned the, the Ugnaught character. Um, I, I adored him. That was a great character. <laughs> yeah, I have spoken, which has become a great new catchphrase. We, we're trying to institute that with our kids at home. <laughs> Except all I can hear is Peter Griffin. <laughs> you only hear Peter from Family Guy. I have spoken. <laughs> There's, I'll find that gift. But anyway, you know, I agree. It was that was a great character. Yeah, and I, you know, not to get too far ahead of ourselves too, because I'd like to backtrack if if I may, because we're um, we've sort of transitioned into talking about stuff that we liked, and because um, I think that's natural because we like right. so much of this. Um, I loved the scene um, when he first takes the fair at um walks through the doorway and he's greeted with a, a small huddle of stormtroopers um and uh, a couple of doctors and Werner herzog and, mm-hmm. and it's just this motley crew and you have no concept of where this might head except for the fact that it's different because our entire um background on stormtroopers up to this point has been the faceless soldiers uh of the empire um and now you have these guys that are sort of going off and doing their own thing what's that all about do they are they doing this of their own volition have they been recruited i you know a lot of questions start popping into my head and well and especially since you've seen you know we've all seen the promos where you see the the stormtrooper helmets on pikes right oh yeah you know so that adds a little bit more element to those you know ragged four that were there you know it's like they're on edge well and that's one of the interesting things is that the setup to it from when we uh, i love carl weathers uh bounty hunter chubbs he's always going to be known as chubbs Chubbs. (laughs) (laughs) he's forever apollo creed rest in peace anyway now i love that from the moment he's he's setting up the job that you no, know, there's no uh, puck. You just get a fob. That you know, you know, you only get a chip. You're not gonna get much anything else. You gotta go meet them, and then, you know, they give you this long tracking shot of him going to find them, and he finds like this, like I said, ragtag group just of Imperials just kind of huddled, and it helped does a great job of putting you in the moment of saying, yeah, this happens after Return of the Jedi. The Empire, as you knew it, doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. So therefore. Whatever they're doing, they're doing it of their own volition, or maybe they've been recruited. But there's, there's no longer any central uh, coordination from some higher power. Whatever they're, right. they're, they're into, they're, they're on their own, so to speak. And they're hiding because, well, well if anybody sees them... They, their heads might end up on pikes, like exactly. you were saying. Exactly. <laughs> so, you mentioned the fobs. And I've, I've always been... I've never gotten into how... Star Wars tech works. Mm-hmm. It's magic. <laughs> it, it just it just it just does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it was it was interesting those fobs. How we how does that how does that work? You know, I mean, it's it's just it, I don't know. It's, it's just it, we don't have maybe that's just a rhetorical well, thing. But it, that's one thing that. But however, before I, <laughs> and as a tangent to that, when he comes up to Chubbs, I'm sorry, Apollo Creed, mm-hmm. and puts down the fobs the first thing i thought of when he said did you catch them all 
<laughs> I thought Pokemon. That was another thing that took me out of it. That was a moment where I went, was was that you could see that as somebody that's a haha joke that we wrote in. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. It, I don't know. It seemed like anyway. then you got the Pokeball at the end with the the special thing. So right. Uh, anyway. I, I love that scene so much, though. Not just for those like the atmosphere of it, and, and like you said, like they do feel like they're on edge. Everyone in that room is like they're either not supposed to be there or they've been shot at. Um, and you realize there's no law. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that's where I come back to the Western, the authentic Western for me, because like originally it felt a little forced for me in that opening sequence, but we get here, and I'm and I'm at the Magnificent Seven at that mm-hmm. point. I'm at Seven Samurai. I'm like these people are in dire straits, and they're bringing in some unsavories to save them, and um, I mean, look, time will tell where that's where this all goes because we all have a lot of questions after this first episode. But um, yeah, that for me, that's where those Western undertones really started to work really, really well. It, uh, you know, some some things. Another thing that kind of I'm sorry, you, as you say, something you really liked. No, I keep thinking about something that just took me out of it. It seemed like there was a lot of. Well, first of all, I was surprised that we didn't see uh gina carano's character in this first episode kind of thought that you'd maybe introduce the the principles you know but to be fair 39 minutes well yeah it's it's 40 minutes yeah i get that but go back and watch it and see how many shots of the mandalorian walking or flying his ship do you see and again, I, that's why I'm. It, it seems that's like Star Wars. <laughs> this, I mean, it se- it just seemed kind of. Again, when I said it started slow, those are things that are just like, you know, could you? Could, I don't, don't want to. I don't want to get into it because it's like I'm not going to say I could do better than Dave Filoni or you know mm-hmm. anything like that. But it just seemed like there were just again there was just like seeing him walk, you know. Um, well, like I said, vintage Star Wars. How many how many sh- shots do you have of ships landing or taking off? <laughs> <laughs> it's always been you're, the case. You're right. You're right. <laughs> it's always been the case. So I, let's, I'm sorry. We're going to go to, we've teased it a couple times and people know this already. And spoiler alert, if you haven't watched Mandalorian too late, you've heard 98% of it. But I will say that I, I there was a couple spoilers that I did um, know about. I knew that Yoda's race was going to be involved somehow. His species was going to be involved somehow. And I knew that the Mandalorian was going to have this baby um, to deal with I did not think we were going to get a Yoda baby <laughs> at the end and I think you know I, Britt and I both we're watching this you know and all of a sudden you see this little baby Yoda we both went oh <laughs> I mean you know it's just it, it was adorable um, looked a little bit too much like Gizmo um, <laughs> you know it's like don't feed it after midnight you know don't get it wet or you'll have a bunch of Yodas I think that's <laughs> good advice in general I think I think they should I, I, man I, I, I hope I hope that he spills some water on it and goes oops that would be a great little deep cut but anyway um, so could why does for, I guess there's some questions why, do, why does it have to be a Yoda baby could it have been in just you know, why couldn't it have been a Wookiee baby? Or why couldn't it have been a little baby Ewok? We've seen one of those. Or why couldn't it have been just, you know, even just a human? Um, why is it, why is it, that seems very significant. Because, Fredo, you mentioned it earlier. The only ones we've seen is Yoda and Yaddle. 
and Yaddle didn't make it past that one Jedi Council, mm-hmm. you know, um, scene in Phantom Menace. So, except for in Robot Chicken, but that's <laughs> the only time I've ever seen Yaddle. So, why Yoda, baby? And what, what, what do you think? I mean, is the Mandalorian now for the next eight episodes or whatever? Is he going to have a stroller in tow? Lone cub and wolf, or yeah. lone wolf and cub? I'm sorry. So, <laughs> you know. anyway, I, I want to see Mandalorian and baby Yoda. I want to see somebody do the math on whether Yaddle was still alive when this Yoda baby was born. Because, you know, if it's the love child of, of Yoda and Yaddle, we need to know this. It's Yoda and Padme. Do the math. <laughs> it's going to add another element of controversy to the Star Wars universe. It is going to be Yoda and Padme. But that's just sort of, <laughs> What's interesting is this. We meet Yoda in Empire about 40-some-odd years ago. Outside of his, you know, he gets Empire, we've seen Sinjeda and the prequels and Returns, but we re- never really delved into his backstory or his species. And you're like, wait a minute, this is a galaxy. We've got, we've seen Ewoks everywhere. We've seen, uh, not everywhere, but you know, multiple, multiple times. We've seen Jawas everywhere. We've seen species that, that go all across the galaxy. And yet, even up, you know, Wookiees, we've seen them, but not Yoda's race. We don't even know what their name is. Yep. We're yep. going to Yoda's because, well, there's no plan B here. There's no nothing else that we can call. I mean, again, you can go with the Legends term of wills, but even that, I don't even know if that's true anymore. So it's that kind of element where you go, hopefully, we finally get start getting some backstory into them just I mean, because it'll be wonderful. My, my thought is, I mean, I don't think that you introduce a Yoda baby unless there's going to be some element of the Force that's going to come into play here, which then is going to tick off a whole slew of Star Wars, and I'm air quoting now, fans. Right. You know, I guess because it, I, I have this feeling there's going to be some element of the force that is going to become in play, and people are going to be so ticked because can't we just have, you know, you know, a Star Wars thing without the force? And to me, it's like, no, I don't think you can because... The Force is everywhere, and it is part of Star Wars. If you don't have the Force, then I'm sorry, you have a mixture of Star Trek and Battlestar Galactica. So maybe the grenade. F- well, this might be the first piece of live-action Star Wars filmmaking to not have a lightsaber since the Ewok movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, I'm not saying there's going to be a lightsaber, but I'm just. I know. I'm just throwing that out there as you know, perhaps a um, litmus test for you know how much force activity we're going to see. In and this. now I'm going to have to rewind it. Was that was the was the Mort from Mort pod? Was it floating at the end when the last shot of him mm-hmm. kind of looking at you know and yeah. pointing at the bit? Was it floating? I thought so. Because it was sitting on something when you, when they first saw it, and at the end, now I'm wondering was that thing floating? So. That would be an interesting take. That well, I mean, obviously, we we talked a little bit about the Ugnot character, and, and part of the appeal of him was he talked about wanting to be rid of these um, negative influences. Yeah, he wanted peace. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, you can assume that it meant you know the people that were surrounding the Yoda baby, but it, he could have been re- referencing the Yoda baby itself. Evil Yoda baby? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I'm just saying force <laughs> disturbing uh, Yoda baby. Because yeah, what's interesting is, I mean, Werner Herzog says 50 years old. We see a baby. What 
pur- what purpose does does his scientist guy want for him, for the Yoda baby? Because he's asking, he's trying to stress to the Mandalorian, bring it back alive, bring it back alive. And then when he gets there, it's surrounded by a whole posse of people looking to fight and defend it with their lives. And you're like, okay, I maybe know they're it's- not necessarily bad guys. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I'm trying you know. Or you know, but there's a purpose maybe that they're seeing that hasn't been revealed to the audience yet. So, so what do you think the doctor wants with testing? The I would imagine testing. You know, I'm thinking cloning. That could also, you know. Again, we're talking about Star Wars. You know, Star Wars. I mean, I'm thinking yeah. having an army of evil Yodas at their at their beck and call would flip the scales. And again, so, uh, so okay, so another we talked about this earlier. Um, you know, Britt and I were doing the math. You know, it's like the um, Mandalorian. The last episode is December twenty seventh, and obviously, the Last Jedi comes out um, December twentieth. December twentieth, December nineteenth. We've got our tickets. Um, but are we going to see? Are we going to see a Yoda baby? <laughs> It may not be quite that literal, but I, I, you know, yeah, but I wouldn't be surprised if there wasn't some kind of a um, tie-in. Tie you know, the timing of it is interesting to me, as you said. You know, it's like a week later they could—that's the um, season finale. They can tie in some kind of cliffhanger that ties in with the movie. No, no, yeah, we, we're okay. obviously getting way ahead of our skis here, but right. you know, it's. Uh, but it's just interesting that why is that, you know, the baby? Why is it again? Again, until we know what the, what the thing's name is and what's it's going to be Yoda baby, but mm-hmm. why? What what is that? I mean, so if I could, there's been a lot of speculation about Ray clone um, and Emperor cloning, and uh, I haven't gone too far down the spoiler rabbit hole with any of that because I just don't want to be spoiled. But um, you know. Does cloning play a role in this new movie as well? And you know, if if the, if so, then it would make sense that they would t- go down that with the series too. Yeah, because what's in? I mean, cloning has always been kind of an element that they've had. I mean, they had it obviously in the prequels, but even before the prequels, it was in the Dark Horse comic book line. You know, having Emperor Palpatine clones, and then in the books, having clones of you know, of the kind of the heroes turned villains. So they've always had that element in there. And then, you know, it was in the prequels, obviously. Yes, a bunch of that stuff got taken out when it became the Legends universe. But that idea is still rattling. So well, what you can go anywhere with it. And sorry, now now you got my wheels spinning. I'm <laughs> sleep because we know, we know in Rise of Skywalker, Palpatine is back. Yes. And it's, and so what if this, and they say, they make a point to saying, Doctor, this is a doctor, right? Not scientist, not, not general, not general, but doctor. You know. So what if Palpatine needs something of this species to keep him alive? Oh yeah, you know that's another possibility too, right there. You know, so I mean, and so there, I mean, there has again. So I've, I always just come back. Why? So all right. We could talk about this all night, but I think, you know, so we've kind of gone through the whole episode, kind of what our ups and downs are, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, before we give, well, let's just kind of do some, maybe some final thoughts and maybe just, uh, you know, kind of a, uh, a rating, however you want to, you know, 
how many stars you'd want to give it out of 10, I suppose. Um, but, uh, but as part of your last thoughts, what do, what do you think's coming tomorrow? There's a new episode. So what do you think we're getting in that episode or what do you hope is coming? Um, so Dave, go ahead and start us off. What final thoughts, what do yeah. you think's coming rating? Go ahead. I got no clue what's coming. Uh, and I love it that way. I, li- I like having no clue what's coming. I, I just talked about, um, on my blog recently, short plug, uh, I just talked about uh, Last Jedi. Um, and one of the things I love most about that movie is it wiped the slate clean. And I had no idea what the next movie is going to do. Um, and with this with this uh, this first episode, I feel similarly. Uh, they threw a bunch of stuff out there that is... You know, I don't know how to process necessarily. I, I like it. Um, I don't know how much I'll like it until I see how it gets paid off. Um, but I'm really excited. I think um, one of the things, when, one of the um, topics that I thought of, you know, in advance of this show that we could touch on potentially um, was, did it make sense for these characters to be new characters? Because of what we had talked about at the beginning of the show, which was so much of this stuff they had pulled from existing canon, um, you know, the Mandalorian bounty hunter, um, should that have been Boba Fett? Should that have been a character that we already know? Um, and you could go down the list for pretty much everything in this show. It's just like IG-11 instead of IG-88, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I like that they went with new characters, um, and I, I think like it was the smart decision because like you don't box yourself in. Um, and I know that they're playing in nostalgia with these characters who are similar but not quite the same. Um, but at least they have the freedom now to do whatever they want with it. Um, and again, that's what really gets me most excited about where we might be going from here forward. So. Yeah, I mean, well, just looking at where they leave it off, you know he's going to have to come make a decision, the Mandalorian speaking, whether or not to bring back the Yoda baby back to Werner Herzog, or does he, does he not? How that dynamic you know, plays into. One of the interesting things that the Ognaught, um McNulty mentioned was that he wasn't the first. That was actually part of the reason why he helped him, is I'm trying to just get back to peace, and if I help you and you get rid of all these people because you're a Mandalorian... All of, the, all of this will go away. Well, clearly that means there's going to be other bounty hunters potentially looking for him to either steal the Yoda baby to claim the reward or should he do something that he's not supposed to. Like if he decides not to fulfill the contract, then, you know, and, and what kind of a bounty puts it? We didn't talk about sort of, you know, some of the character building that they did with, I mean, we kind of touched on with the armor, you know, talking about how, you know, the Beskar steel, the fact that he's a foundling, you know, the fact that, you know, there's many more foundlings out there that it seems like the Mandalorians have been scattered wide. Mm-hmm. So, and here's been offered this great reward of, you know, a great ton of, of all this Beskar steel that he clearly means a great deal to his people. That internal conflict of, do I do, do I gain this from my tribe while trading away an innocent? how that's going to play. I think that's what we're going to see in the next episode. And yeah, most be more people coming after and gunning for him because, hey, it's it's a valuable commodity and uh, you got something that we, you know, we want to take from you, you know. Um, just overall, I think, you know, in terms of, 
I like the idea, like you were saying, Dave, in terms of using new characters, even if it feels similar, because it does not box you in. I think sometimes the hardest part with Star Wars is everybody has their their notion or their idea of what Star Wars is. And that's natural. I mean, look, the, we're talking about a property that's 42 years old that's been adapted into everything, you know, like up to up to and including a breakfast cereal. So you can say that everybody has their idea of what Star Wars is supposed to be. And sometimes that creates new openings, but also creates expectations. So while there is a lot of expectation over the show, it's important for them to go, okay, no, we're going to have new characters because that does not box us in. We're not hemmed in to whatever happens before, whatever comes after. We can tell this story whichever way we want. And that creates a good dynamic because you're not stuck. You're not, oh, this is a character who must live to see episode seven. All right, it's what we're, it's what we're stuck in with you know, the with uh, the rise of Skywalker. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought you know I, I that's topic for another time. But I thought the original you know Luke Han and Leia should have been they should have been done after Episode Seven mm -hmm. because they were again to get us started and hooked into Ray and Poe and Finn. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so yeah, you're right. I think I think it is good that they used people who are similar but not characters that you know were that have a lot of baggage. Mm -hmm. You know, because I think that's all the books that have been written. It's not been a book that's been written about IG-11. So, you know, there's no there's no baggage there. So I think I think that's good. Um, you know, and I was going to say, you know, we talk about, you know, ratings and I'll, so I'll start the ratings mm -hmm. part off and we're, we're not going to do stars. But I think for this first episode, I think, you know, should it be, you know, either um, meets expectations, you know, exceeds expectations or doesn't meet expectations. It's like just we'll take that lame thing. And I think this one, I think for me, um, I'm going to say meets expectations because it's like I thought the special effects looked like ILM would work was working on. Of course, again, I'm a little bit I I went to the Mandalorian panel at Celebration, so I saw some of the stuff that they've been doing. It's really cool. They're actually using they're doing the same special effects that they did in 1977. They're using a model and they're using motion control and everything. So it's not like everything is done in a computer. So that's that's awesome. Um, you know, so it, yeah, it, the special effects was great. You know, it the the aesthetic was Star Wars. Um, you know, the score was yeah. I was it was gonna be interesting because it was the first time. You know, I didn't. I wasn't. You know, I was. I'm a, a, I'm a John Williams fan. You know, the the Rogue One score, the solo score, really didn't get me too hyped up. So it'll be interesting to see how this works, especially in a TV show, because it's like, do you really pay attention to the score that closely? I was with you, Dave, that there was that the door opens up. It's like, oh, okay. Cowboy movie. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, I th so I thought it was really well. I thought, like I said, I thought it started a little bit slow. Um, there was, of course, first episode, it's a lot of exposition. So I get that, you know. So I always try and keep myself in check of leave my expectations at the door. But I'm going to say it, you know, met my expectations for at least it felt like Star Wars. It was fun, um, you know. Uh, things I'm expecting, I'm not going to say things I'm expecting for the next episode. I'm really interested to see again, is IG 11 going to be part of this because he's been part of the promos for a lot and to kill him off in the first episode is bold. <laughs> What's a toy, so. Yeah. So yeah, are we going to bring him back to life? Um, because I really like, I hope so. Cause I like that dynamic. Um, you know, I'm wondering, I think he's going to keep the Yoda baby and going to lie about it. You know, the droid killed it 
you know, or something. He's going to do because there was that if you can provide evidence of, you know, that it's killed, you know, you'll get a lesser fee. Um, but obviously there was that connection of, you know, I can't abandon a child because I was an abandoned child. So, right. you know, that that's going to come into play. I too uh, was an orphan. So, you know, but um, no, I th- you know, like I said, I was really enjoying I can't wait to see the next one. Um, you know, um, yeah. So that's kind of... Uh, for me, I would say it met my expectations. Uh, the feeling of it being Star Wars got that, you know, the elements kind of were there. I'm intrigued enough where it's going to go to keep watching it. And I think that's really going to be the biggest key is, you know, put it this way. Had they put all eight episodes on Tuesday, would that have been binging them? So that real quick, real quick, because uh, before we I know I said we're trying to sign off now. Do you think it should have been all episodes at once or do you like the idea that it's going to be one a week? For the I, I like it that it's one a week. I do too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I do too. Because you always feel the pressure to get them all in before everybody starts talking well, to you about them. So we're the who dad guy. Like the- it's like we're talking, Britt and I were talking, it's like your your football team, you know, it's the, the next game that's coming up. Mm-hmm. You have a whole week to talk about, mm-hmm. you know, the game that, you know, just happened. Bleh, and right. then to, you know, get fired up for the next game. You know, if your entire season was played in a weekend, you know, yeah. yay, we won the Super Bowl, and then now what? So mm-hmm. I like that they're spreading this out. I think that's. I wish they'd do that on Netflix with you know Stranger Things and things like that. Um, yeah, yeah, and I like Stranger Things, and I like watching it, and but like I like watching it in my own time. Um, uh, so like with a show like that. I'm okay with them releasing it all at once because I'm. I know I'm not going to be able to watch it all. You know, ten episodes or however many all at once anyway. Um, but then again, to your point I, that you were starting to make, uh, Fredo, which was just like, then you got to worry about getting spoiled, and somebody <laughs> on the internet's going to tell you everything, and mm-hmm. then you feel pressure to try to get these things in. And so, like for this show in particular, especially since we want to get together and talk about it every week. Um, I, I'm really thankful that it's set up the way that it is. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I got to give you my uh, thing. Uh, oh, sure. Yeah, uh, meets expectations for me. Uh, I'd give it um, seven baby Yodas out of ten. I guess. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's it's a really nice start. Um, you know, not perfect, but uh, it really did capture my imagination, which I think is like kind of the point of Star Wars. So, cool. All right. Well, uh, everybody, check out the uh, the next episode that's dropping. I think probably at like I think it's like midnight tonight actually. So if you want to stay up late, you can watch it. You know, but I won't. I'll, I'll watch it sometime tomorrow. Um, but otherwise, uh, come back and join us on the uh, with the Food at Jedi. Um, and who knows who will be with us the next time. And uh, until then, we will uh, see you later. Go see us. Yeah.